Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Tsuk and today I will speak with Scott Schutt. Scott is the head of mindfulness and compassion at LinkedIn. He has been an active advocate for customers and employees in the technology space for over 20 years. In his current role as head of mindfulness and compassion at LinkedIn, Scott blends his lifelong practice and passion with his practical leadership operations experience. His mission is to change work from the inside out by mainstreaming mindfulness and operationalizing compassion. He's the author of the book, The Full Body Yes, available in May 2021. Today we will speak about mindfulness, compassion, and how we can tap to the deeper part of ourselves to be more mindful and present. So stay with us. Pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. You remember when we met two years ago when I was at Wisdom Conference at San Francisco? I remember. And you talked about facilitating a retreat at LinkedIn, and I was amazed. And you invited the audience to come and practice and participate. And I came and I, you remember that I didn't find the place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We had the confusion of uh, West Street versus East yeah. Street and uh, oh, nobody knew. But eventually I think you got there. <laughs> yes, I was so enthusiastic. Scott, you are the head of mindfulness and compassion at LinkedIn. That's an amazing job. You also wrote forward to my book and we had the chance to talk and I interviewed you for my book. That's the connection that we have. I will be glad if you can share your journey, personal journey. Sure. How did you come sure. to a place that you had the opportunity to create this job? It's amazing. The sure. head of mindfulness and compassion. And yeah. to hear a little bit, what are you doing in, in order to implement mindfulness and compassion? Great. Great. Happy to share. So I've had a career in uh, customer service, customer operations leadership, and I've been at LinkedIn for eight years. And I started as the vice president of global customer operations. So essentially leading all of the customer stuff that's not sales. And uh, I'm a bit of a dual agent in that I've had a personal practice since I was 13. Mm -hmm. I've been uh, teaching since I was in college, and it's been a big part of my life but I never talked about it at work. It, I mean, my, you know, I would say my spiritual practice outside of work. Uh -huh. And I got to LinkedIn and after a couple of years, I realized, wow, what an amazing place. It's so open. You know, our CEO at the time, Jeff Wiener was talking about his own practice using Headspace. And he was also talking about compassion and leadership. And I was thinking, wow, this is a place where maybe I could bring, you know, my own practice in a secular and inclusive way you know, to the workplace. So I met with my friend who's the head of wellness and we, he got all excited and I got all excited and we decided I would lead a practice. But then I went back to my desk and I did absolutely nothing about it for like three months because I was terrified. I did not know what people would think about me. It was all ego and fear, you know, what does this mean for my brand and what are people going to think? Am I going to get in trouble? That sort of thing. But I finally got over all of that turned out was just internal nonsense and led a single practice, you know, on a Thursday afternoon at 4.30. And on that day, there was one person there <laughs> besides me. <laughs> and I, I'm sure he was just as terrified as I was. I, I never saw that guy again. 
the next week there were three and then there were five and then it just became a regular thing. And then people knew that I did it. So I got invited to other events, you know, like the marketing team, mm -hmm. three, 400 people would have uh, an offsite and they do breakout sessions. And they're like, hey, Scott, can you come lead a session for one of our breakout sessions? So here I am now meditating with 80 people a couple of times. Or the CFO would have a summit with three or 400 people and ask me to kick it off with a meditation. And so I became known as, you know, kind of like the meditation exec. And it was then part of my identity, which was great. That's what I wanted because that's who I am outside of work. So I finally got to this place where, you know, my inside of work and my outside of work person were the same. And this was all still volunteering from my old, uh, my VP role. And I raised my hand to be the executive sponsor of our mindfulness program. We didn't have one. And so myself with a bunch of volunteers created one. And we did that for a few years and created what I think is, you know, one of, if not the world's leading mindfulness program in a workplace. And then for me, the tipping point was our CEO, Jeff, gave the commencement address at Wharton, where he's an alumni, and he talked about compassion, you know, because in a commencement address, you get your one big piece of advice in 15 minutes or whatever. And he said, look, if you're going to be successful in life, if you're going to be successful at work, be compassionate. And then the next two or three times he's on TV, this is all the reporters want to talk about is compassion. And I was watching all this thinking, okay, it's time. It's time for me to do something different. I'd been in my role for six years and I, I could see that I could make a, a career out of this mindfulness stuff. But two is it was time for LinkedIn to really put our money where our mouth was, right? Because if we tell 15 or 16,000 employees that compassion is the number one thing that they can do, and then send them back to their desk. What does that mean? And so I made a pitch to Jeff, to our CEO, and also to our head of HR, and with their great support, essentially created this role uh, almost three years ago now. Wow. Yeah. The next part of your question is, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> First of all, before we go to the yeah, next, sure. next part, it's amazing that the fact that you felt that you want to integrate your personal self and your yes. professional, but as you say, you needed to overcome your fears and dare yes. to show up, right? I think yes. it's so crucial because a lot of us feel the need to go on, to move on, to go out of our comfort zone, but we don't dare to do it because we think our people will, will react to us. How will yeah. I look? So this is the amazing thing. Yes. It enabled you to bring your present to the world and show up. Yes. And turns out the biggest hurdle to all of this was me. That's always yeah. ourselves. The, huh? the, the biggest blockage was my own mind, was my own fear, my own ego. So once I let that go, everything just flowed. So this was imp important for me to highlight because I think this what enabled you to take it forward. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. So that's amazing. Now to the next question about implementing. So yeah. how do you implement it in there? Sure. What does it mean? Okay, so I have two parts to my role. Mainstreaming mindfulness is one and operationalizing compassion is the mm -hmm. other. Or oh, I should say that my, my vision for all of this work is to change work from the inside out. Okay, so let's start with mainstreaming mindfulness. We're just trying to make mindfulness as commonplace in the workplace as physical exercise. So you can think of it as mental exercise. Let's just make mental exercise as common as physical exercise. Because look, in the information age, most of our employees don't need to do things physically, like they don't need to run a five-minute mile or pick up boxes. Not many do, but I'm saying in at a place like LinkedIn, it's usually not a physically demanding environment. But it, it is a mentally and emotionally demanding environment. And so we offer things like meditation classes. You know, we offer 
I don't even know, something like 30, 40, 50 a week all over the world in a variety of our offices. You know, for people who are thinking about, can I do this at my place? It's super easy. So if you have a gym, probably your gym is managed by a third party. Probably they hire teachers to come in and do yoga or TRX or some sort of exercise class. Mm -hmm. While you're doing that, just add meditation to those classes, you know, and people will come. In addition to those types of things, we have, you know, volunteers like myself and others who lead classes. So we have meditation classes. We also have what we call community groups. Mm -hmm. And so this is through our partner Wisdom Labs. This is called Wise at Work Community Groups. And the way it works, this has really made it easy to scale, is if I have a volunteer in Omaha or Bangalore or Toronto or London or wherever, all the volunteer needs to do is get other people in the room. You know, and think of it like a book club, you know, with your friends, you watch a five to eight minute video of um, an expert giving a, a talk on a subject. There's another five to eight minute guided practice. And then it's community. It's uh, discussion about the topics and how it relates to our own lives. So it's super practical and it also builds connection. And we think that's really important because one of the things we have in this world right now is a lack of connection to each other. It also uh, sounds really practical because they talk about what's yeah. interesting for them and how to implement it in the day-to-day, -day, right? That's right. You're meeting every week or how does it happen? Every week. And uh, that's depending on the group. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's 45 minutes or an hour. It just depends on how much time they want to spend in discussion, in communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And super practical. And the topic is different every week. There's usually a, a theme for you know, six weeks at a time or four weeks at a time. We give everybody access to an app. We also use, we've used things like Headspace and others before, but right now we're using Wise at Work. It's also mm -hmm. the name of the app. Super practical. In addition to being a meditation app, it also helps with things like, okay, I'm about to go to a stressful meeting and I need to prepare myself. What, what can I do? Or topics around, you know, bias, our internal biases around mm -hmm. race or gender or those types of things. So really it's built for people who are working. And so it's, it's beautiful. And then in addition to the app, once a year, we do a 30 day challenge to kind of build awareness, but also a little fun and a little, you know, doing things with your friends. We do a 30 day challenge and the challenge is use the app 20 times within the month usually uh -huh. October. And, you know, we'll give everybody who completes the challenge gets a free t-shirt or this year we did a hoodie <laughs> uh -huh. and never underestimate what people will do to get a free hoodie. <laughs> we had lots and lots of people uh, sign up for our challenge. And then the beautiful thing is every year we have this big spike in usage of the app and then it goes back down, but it goes back down to a level that was bigger than the year before. So people try the app, but they like it and then they keep using it. And now we have people who have you know, a 400 or a 700 day streak of using, of using the app. And uh, all of these things, you know, sometimes people ask me how we measure them and there's, you know, we measure attendance and customer satisfaction. You know, do people show up? Do people like it? But really for me, it's about the stories that people tell me. So I had this one woman kind of long story short, you know, I found out her story and uh, she said, okay, look, I used to think that this whole mindfulness stuff was just a bunch of BS, right? Just a bunch of hooey. She had a more colorful word for it. But, <laughs> but she said, look, last year you guys did this challenge. And, you know, I like a good challenge. So I signed up for it. And now I'm, I'm on my 400th day streak. You know, I have a 400 day streak of using the app. And it has changed my life. 
Uh, and this morning, she's telling this, you know, a year or two ago, I presented to my all hands and it was like a team of 80 or so people. And she said, I never would have done that a year ago because I was a spaz. I was hyper. I was nervous. I was terrified to get in front of people. But this year I did it. And even this morning, I was scared to go on stage, but I went to a conference room and I did my breathing and I calmed down and I went out there and I crushed it. <laughs> and later... Later, I was talking to, you know, my friends who are the leaders of the group and just I asked about her and they said, oh, yeah, she's she's really changed in the last year. Like, I'm not sure what happened, but like she is so much. And they went on to be very complimentary. Wow. And I was thinking, wow, this is why we do this work. Right. Amazing. This is why we do this. Sure. Work. It's amazing how you make it accessible to people and they even don't understand the benefits and yeah. they start and they see the benefits and they continue on. Right. Because it's much more bigger than coming on focusing on this That's moment right. or decreasing right. stress, right? It's That's us. right. Because when they, oh. once they see the changes, so as an example, I get, you know, hundreds of emails a year, but another one from a, a young woman during a young mother during quarantine time. And mm -hmm. she was so grateful for the programs that we offered. She was saying, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm screaming at my kids a lot less. <laughs> and and, it, and it wasn't just that. She went on to say, look, look, I'm I'm much more present. I'm such a better mother. I'm such I'm more calm myself. But more importantly, I'm such a better mother to my two little kids who are at home with me during this quarantine time. The impact is so big, even yes. more more than on ourselves, right? Because when we are calm, then we can act from a different place, even in That's this right. challenging times. That's right. It changes everything. So I think it changes. First, it changes us. This is what I mean by changing work from the inside out. Okay. It changes us. And then it changes how we interact with everyone around us. Right. And that means our families, our loved ones, our team at work. But even for our customers, imagine how much more creative we are, how much more empathetic we are, compassionate we are towards our customers. We want to do the right thing for them and for the broader world. So we end up delivering a much better solution And so for me, the ROI is, is a no-brainer. This stuff costs almost nothing and has a giant impact, I believe. Yeah, sure. On creativity, innovation, and much more. And I want to connect with your vision that, that is also my vision, changing the business world from the inside out yeah. and move on to the yeah. amazing book that you wrote, The Full Body Yes. Soon to go. be published, right? Yes, on May 11th is the official day. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, this was my COVID project. Essentially, at the beginning of the quarantine, I had started thinking about it. But when I had the outline and it was time to write, then quarantine started. And so instead of commuting for 45 minutes you know, in the morning, I did my practice. I did my morning practice and then immediately went and started writing. And uh, it just flowed. So I'm, I'm excited to share it with people. So I read the book and it's amazing. I really loved it. First of all, I want to ask you, why did you choose this name, The Full Body Yes? Yes, that's a good question. Yeah, I originally wanted to call it From Me to We, because that's kind of what it's about. This movement from just thinking about ourselves to thinking about all of us. But for a variety of reasons, we changed it. And The Full Body Yes is how we get there, kind of. So The Full Body Yes is when we just know, when we tap into that deepest part of ourselves, beyond the mind, beyond the emotions, beyond the physical body, and we're in alignment with that deepest, truest part of ourselves, then this is the place, right? It's beyond, this is what we do when we, get, when we breathe or have meditation or just calm ourselves. We get to this place. And when we get to this place, it allows us not only to see ourselves, but to see others. And so I really, I wanted to write a book about compassion, and this is how we get there. 
That's amazing. First of all, I was amazed when I read the book. I said, wow, courageous, because you talk the spiritual experience that you had up front. I share the same experiences, but I don't dare to talk them in my area because, you know, because I come from outside the corporate world. So I need to speak the rational language. Otherwise, people yes. will look at me strange. But yes. it's interesting because you came from you're coming from the corporate world, from the rational, for your programmer. So you can take it far in there to bring your experiences. First of all, I was amazed by your courage to talk this language. Thank was, you. So it really resonated with me. And I did connect it to the name. For example, you talked about your experience in the Gulf, right? When you yes. felt that you are not alone there. I saw the connection through this. As you said, listening to our body and our sensation and our emotion and to our inner wisdom or yes. inner voice and to act upon it. I will be happy to hear your thoughts and to share with our listeners the story sure. about the Gulf. So this is about five or six years ago, and I'll set the context first. It was a time in my life where my father had just passed away. Mm. And my father had always been my rock, and he was the one that I would always look to for those attaboys, you know, for that external validation. I'm the youngest of five, so I spent my whole kind of childhood trying to achieve to get this validation. And in the same period of time, my boss, who was also an executive, was letting me just, you know, run my business, wasn't very involved in my work life. So I also didn't have someone at work to get that external validation from. And even my spiritual mentor in my personal life was unavailable to me. So I found myself for the first time in my life kind of at the top of the pyramid, like there was nobody to go ask, like it stopped with me, mm -hmm. which is very different in my life. I've, I've always looked for external validation. And then in that time period, I used to play golf with my son, maybe once or twice a week. He was on the school, the high school golf team. And so we played a lot and I never, ever played by myself. I always either played with him or I played with people at work once in a while. And on this day, it was a Sunday afternoon. I wanted to go play golf and my son was busy and he didn't want to go. And so I decided I would go by myself because I was feeling restless. I needed to get out and I'm on the course and I'm the only one on the whole course. Like there's nobody around me, nobody playing with me, but also nobody on the holes ahead of me or behind me. And I get to the third hole. It's this little par three, 126 yards. And in this particular place, it's down in a valley. There's a creek that runs through it. There are foxes and rabbits and hawks and the, and the sun kind of goes through the trees kind of, you know, and you can see those rays of sunshine in the, in the long, you know, summer light. And I was feeling kind of starting to settle down, starting to calm down. And I hit my shot and I couldn't see the hole because there was, you know, a bunker in front of my, the vision of the hole, but I just knew like I, it was kind of on target and I'm like, Oh my God, that went in. In, in other words, like that's going to be my first hole in one ever. And I'm here by myself. Like there's no one here. And I got this voice that said, yeah, this, this is just for you. Like, how do you want to feel about it? And I, I felt this connection again to the thing, whatever you want to call it, the divine God, the deepest part of ourselves, soul, however you want to think about this. But I got this intuition, this voice. And then I had 126 yards to walk to the hole, you know, to kind of have this conversation and to reflect on what was happening in my life. And of course, I got there. I saw the mark where the ball had landed right in front of the hole. And there it was, you know, in the hole with my signature on it. And I was thinking, of course, of course, this is how it happens. Because had I been with my friends and my son, there would have been high-fiving and dancing and dropping my club and picture-taking. 
And then for the next week, I would tell people about it at work. And again, I'd show them pictures. And, and every one of these experiences would have been reflected, my experience would have been reflected by other people's perceptions of the event. Mm-hmm. But instead, the voice was, this is just for you. How do you want to feel about it? What it meant was that every experience in my life is just for me. How should I feel about it? You know, if I post something, I should be happy just in what I've written instead of, okay, did it get 10 likes or a thousand likes? Did people comment? What did they comment? Because we spend so much of our time wondering what other people think and what other people are going to say instead of just living the full body. Yes. Living as if I'm the one that really matters for. I really like this story. And I think this is part of what it means to be mindful and present, listening to yes. ourselves, to our intuition, to what feels right for us. And sometimes people won't like it. And that's okay. We can't please everybody. Yeah. I also had this lesson yeah. during my life. And I said, okay, some will like me, some won't like me. But what's important is that I will like myself, that yes. I will wake up in the morning and watch myself in the mirror and love what I am inside. That's right. And the yeah. thing is, when we live in congruence with that thing, Right? When we really have that full body yes and we live with that love of ourselves and doing what we really love instead of trying to please everybody else, turns out we deliver even better results, <laughs> better results at work, better results with our families. And of course, it doesn't mean that we just become selfish and turn our backs to the world, but we start with ourselves, right? We start with living our values and living what's true for us. And then that allows us to have a bigger capacity to serve the rest of the world. That's so right. And, you know, I'm nowadays also in challenges. Need to have the courage to show up, to be present, to be in conflict with people and to go with my truth. And it's not easy. Let's be honest, right? It's not yeah. so easy. To, not easy. Because uh, you are in the uncertainty. You don't know how people will react. You will stay alone, won't stay alone. It's important for me to put it here and to share it because it's part of the process. Mm-hmm. However, when we overcome these fears and dare to be in the uncertainty, then... As you say, we can grow and evolve and bring much more good to That's the right. world and to us. That's right. Because we're coming at it from a much different place, right? Before we come at it from a place of fear, you know, what are people going to think of me? So I try to thread the needle on doing exactly the right thing for what I think everybody else wants, mm-hmm. instead of just living my full truth, right? And yeah. so for me, you know, in my job, once I was able to let go of the fear and just be my full self, I blossomed. I totally blossomed and good things came my way. And just as a person, you know, as I've been able to let go of my fear, I'm able to bring more of my full self to, to what I do and to my friendships. And, and it's also a happier way to live. I'm not so tied up in knots internally about worrying and anxiety. It's just let all that go. Amazing. And I think it's also inspiring because, as you said, it's paradoxical, right? Because when our mind is so uh, stuck on what people were thinking about us, we are less present and people less engage with us because they don't feel us there. But when we are present with what we believe, people are much more engaged with us and also inspired. So it's the opposite. It's a paradoxical way. It's amazing. It's uh, the opposite, right. right? That's right. It's kind of like dating. I don't know, you know, if you've had the experience, like in college, just for me personally, I was desperate to have a girlfriend, to desperate uh-huh. to have a partner. And when you when you feel that desperation, like nobody wants to no be around point. you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because they, they feel that energy. 
But then when you're in love, when you meet somebody and you're in love, all of a sudden you're attractive to everyone because uh-huh. you, you feel it from the inside, right? It's and the, the same is true in our lives when we're filled with anxiety, like people, nah, we're not so fun to be around. But when we feel that calm, that really that love, the self-love first, mm-hmm. then we become very attractive and to all the good things that life has to offer. And I want to connect to this. You wrote another nice story that I really liked and I wanted you to share with us about as we are more mindful and listening to our inner voice, we can make better decisions because yes. we have a wisdom within us. Yes. So you wrote about the way you recruited a manager for a yes. job. So I would yes. be happy if you can share it and we'll talk about it. Sure. And this is the secret of the front cover of the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the front cover of the book, there is an orange rhinoceros. Great. And uh, I wanted something there to, so people would look at and go, what, what is that? What is that? What's the connection? <laughs> I must say that I also ask, what's the connection? Okay, maybe he's a, he has a big body and body. Uh-huh. Yes, I... <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's what happened. A number of years ago, uh, I was in my VP of operations role and my top lieutenant was leaving. He was changing jobs and it was good. It was a good thing. He was getting promoted to a different job outside of my group, but I needed to replace him. And the stakes were really high because it was the most important role at the time, you know, in what I was doing. And my success was definitely going to depend on the success of this new person. So I wanted to get it right. And we'd gotten a lot of people involved in the interview process, all these other VPs from other groups, my own team. We had done so many rounds of interviews and we came down to the final two candidates and we had interviewed these two candidates so many times. And what happened was exactly half of the interview team said, oh, the external candidate, you know, she's great. Uh, she can totally do the job, and I don't think the internal candidate can do the job. And the other half said, oh, the internal candidate, they are great. They can totally do the job, but the external candidate, no, I don't think they can do the job. <laughs> now, my life strategy is around collaboration and pleasing. Like, I'm a people pleaser, right? I do not like conflict. I'm really good at getting people to collaborate and moving them together. But here I was. No, and it was my choice and only my decision. I knew that whatever I chose, I was going to make half the team upset. Mm-hmm. And so it just like these, just like we were saying, I had all this fear, like, what are people going to think of me? You know, I was trying to please everybody. And so, and there was no more information to get. There was no more, no more interviewing, no more data. It was going to come down to a decision. And both of them were great, right? Either would have been able to do the job. And so some people go with their gut. I had something a little different in mind. <laughs> in, in contemplation one day, I kind of threw up my hands to the universe and I said, okay, look, I don't know what to do. And I don't do this very often, but this time I want to sign, <laughs> you know, I, I, want, I want to be sure. I want the no doubt sign. And so in contemplation, I first thought of the external candidate and she had long, dark hair and I was just kind of visualizing her. And, and this is, I want a sign that's going to show up in real life, right? And so I said, okay, if it's her, I'm going to see. And what came to me was black hair tied in a bun, uh-huh. you know, with a, a butterfly pin, you know, in it. So some really specific, right? And then, okay, I let that go. And then I thought about the internal candidate. Um, it's this person. And I thought about them. And I remembered that they have an orange work bag. So orange, I was associating with them. If it's this person, I'm going to see an orange rhinoceros. And then I laughed. I'm like, and what? An orange rhino? Like, how is that? <laughs> okay, fine. And I let it go. And I said, I said, okay, I'm going to be watching next next 24 hours. 
Well, that day passed and another day passed and nothing happened. But on the next day, on a Friday afternoon, I'm with my team and we're at the movies that one of the Star Wars movies had just released. And we were all at the movies on a late Friday afternoon. And I'm letting kind of this, the heat and the intensity of the day, the week just kind of slip away. I'm relaxing, eating my popcorn. And then on the screen, during a preview for an animated movie, across the screen bounces an orange rhinoceros. <laughs> and first my mind took over. My mind is like, whoa, wait, was that maroon? Was it kind of like reddish orange? And then I had to let, and I let it go. And I kind of, then I felt, I went inside. I'm like, does this feel right? And it felt right. And I felt in that moment, kind of this secret handshake with the universe, right? Mm -hmm. That I had asked and the universe had provided. And then, you know, I accept it. This accepting part closes the cycle. And of course, the person we put in the role was fantastic at their job. What a story, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I loved it very much. Before we wrap up, you also talked about um, being seen, the need to be seen by your parents, by your friends. It really resonated within me because I think each and every one of us feel this way. And yes. especially, I think also in the workplace, people want to be seen, right? Yes. From your uh, viewpoint, what you think people can do in their corporate world in order to see each other? That's a great question. And this, when we talk about compassion, compassion doesn't have to be complicated. It can happen in every one of our conversations. And it starts with listening, right? Like you said, I think our deepest held need as a person is to be seen and mm -hmm. recognized and ultimately loved by others. But it starts with just, just being seen for who I really am. And this is the paradox we talked about, right? When I show who I really am, this is what I'm also most afraid of. When I show who I really am, I'm afraid that people won't like it. Yeah. But when I do, when I show who I really am and people are accepting, then that is a glorious, glorious feeling. So what we can do as people is to provide that space to really listen, you know, to really allow someone to kind of let their walls down and be vulnerable. And so if we are what I call the first mover, you know, in vulnerability, the other person is encouraged to be vulnerable as well. So when we do it, other people will do it. So yeah. it starts with listening. and smiling and asking real questions. So instead of just saying, oh, hey, Karen, how are you? Mm -hmm. Most people go, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I expected of you, no? But if, but if we say, oh, how are you? In fact, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how mm -hmm. are you today? Mm -hmm. And then really listen to the answer, not just, not just a throwaway starting conversation, but really listen. And if somebody says, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a six, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, wh what would it take for you to be a 10 today? Or like, is there anything I can do to help you, you know, be a 10 today? Not that we have to be 10s all the time, but it's just a, a starting place for the conversation to, to say, look, I'm here and I actually care about you. I really care about you. So how can I be of service to you in your life? That's great. And yes, as you said, being authentic and being present, you know, to, there to show up with what we're feeling right now and not... put a mask or play the game that when we feel that yeah. we need to play because people feel our being more than what yeah. we say or do. That's right. And you, know, That's right. And you know, it's really liberating to be authentic. You know, I had a podcast last week I should have recorded and I was really having a challenging times. And then we talked before the podcast, we went on Zoom and she told me, look, I'm 
not so great, but we already set up, so I didn't want to cancel. I said, okay, you know, I'm also not so great, so let's postpone it. Yeah, so it was yeah. so liberating to be honest and say, okay, I'm not fine today. It's okay yeah. not to be. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And just to be real with what is. You yeah. Know, because, and sometimes there's nothing for the other person to do. And, and we shouldn't be trying to solve each other's problems all the time. But just to be there, to say, I may not be able to solve your problem, but I just want you to know I'm here for you. If if you want to talk or you just need anything, I'm here. Be present. That's amazing. Be present. And not judgmental. Not trying to fix the problem, as you said, and yeah. just be there with them. Sometimes that's what people need. Yeah. Quite I enjoy our conversation. Before we wrap up, uh, I want to ask you, how would you like to see the corporate uh, change? And uh, what should listeners always remember if they wish to be more mindful and compassion in the uh, workplace? Uh, big question. <laughs> yes, that's a big, we could definitely spend another couple hours on this one. But, you know, we talked more about mindfulness, but compassion is actually where I think the juice is for corporations, because mm -hmm. this is how we operate. And so the, the short story is when we move from me to we, the, so me thinking at a corporate level is just profit, you know, top line, bottom line. If I move from me thinking to we thinking, meaning I'm on purpose taking care of my employees, creating a great place to work, and also on purpose taking care of my customers mm -hmm. to really deeply understand them, provide value to them. And I create a balance of these three things, customers, employees, and profitability or shareholders. Then we've created something beautiful. And what we know is that these companies who do this are 14 times that's 1,400% more profitable mm -hmm. you know, than the S&P. So just like when I myself get over my fear and be vulnerable and am authentic, I provide more value to the world and to myself. The same thing is true of companies. When companies are more real to the world, like when they drop their fear and don't come out of a place of loss, but come out of a place of how can I help everyone, including myself, Mm -hmm. They actually do better. They actually are more profitable. <laughs> so, that's right. yeah, that's the simple truth is when we think about the we, we do better as the me. We've been a servant for our employees, our customers, our yes. colleagues, right? Yes. Uh, Scott, is there anything else that uh, I didn't ask you that you want to share before? before oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things we could talk about, but thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, and thank you for having me here. And just, you know, for everyone who's listening, thank you and go out there and be an ambassador for compassion and start with yourself. Look in the mirror every morning, right into your eyes, say your name and say, I love you. And yeah, that feels funny at first, but when we can get over that, then we can have that same level of care or kind of unfiltered vulnerability with other people and begin to know them and love them as well. Uh, and that changes everything. That's how we change the world from the inside out. From love. Yeah. Love is the basic, right? That's right. God, thank you very much. If you go with people where they can find you. Sure. You can find me at scottshoot.com or the fullbodyyes.com for the book goes the same place. And also you can find me on LinkedIn. That's the social media place where I spend the most time. And so feel free to reach out on LinkedIn and otherwise we'll see you around. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was Caught Shot. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. 
You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and to follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.